All right, so Kesselon's bringing me up questions. He's sorting through a lot of these. Uh, this time always goes really fast. So again, I sort of encourage you guys, try to speak up right away. Most of you have mics, but um, I'll try not to talk too much. So we have about a half hour. I'm gonna combine these first two. One says, how did you get through high school? One says, just what's your best piece of advice? So I'm gonna say, what's your best piece of advice for high school students, for getting through high school? Again, it's such a general question, and each of you face different circumstances and different things that make high school hard. But I thought this might come up. What's maybe, a, you know, for you personally, what was high school like, and what's advice? How'd you I, get through? I know for me, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it was the, the group of guys in my youth group that I really tied myself to, and we kind of went through everything together. And so it was trying to make sure that I was really ingrained and embedded with those guys and we went through stuff together versus just me being up there taking it on by myself. That's good. Um, I grew up in a really small town so I went to a high school with 250 kids and which is smaller than most of your entire grades and so um, and I also had a really like not good home life and so I couldn't really rely on good parenting and I um, didn't have much of a selection of good friends, but um, what I did have to choose from, I like chose the best. Um, I had really, really good friends. I had one, and I wasn't a believer growing up, but my best friend from like, elementary through high school was a really solid believer, and she actually led me to um, Michael. I married Michael Hofer. He's the, um, in middle school. Um, she, um, she went to church with him, and um, like between the two of them, like I just really leaned on them because they were just solid Christians and they led me, helped lead me to the Lord. And I really think it wasn't for them. I, I, I know I wouldn't be where I am today. So my advice, I always goes along with what Emma said. You're making so many decisions now as you're in high school. You know, especially as you get further along in high school, so many decisions to make about your future, decisions about activities you're involved, who are your friends, what will you do with those friends. And I would say my suggestion would be stop frequently and think, hmm, decisions make have consequences. And, and I don't use that word consequences as a bad thing uh, because it could be very good consequences. But when you're, when you're thinking about what am I going to do or who am I going to be with or what do I really want to make important by investing time in this. Think about the, the choices that you're making have consequences in who you become and where you'll go in the future, what you'll do in the future, and, and the impact that um, it will have on your life is significant. So stop and think. What would you guys say to somebody, just sort of a follow-up, who, uh, who really gets the friend thing, especially like, oh, I really need that group of guys at youth group, wherever can't find it. doesn't really have that friend, friends. It really doesn't have a lot. Maybe it doesn't even have one. Um, maybe they're here and they're like, even this is hard to connect. Any, where do you start? Um, I mean, that's kind of like what we're here for. Um, even as your small group leader, we may be older than you are, um, but we're kind of like built-in friends. Like, I know <laughs> I may be eight years older than the girls in my small group, but I consider every single one of them one of my friends. And um, I, and I, I truthfully, I look up to them, really, and the, and I, I, and I honor them, and I love them, and 
And I know your leaders feel the same about you. And so don't hesitate to go to your leaders because your leaders love you. And they can help connect you with um, somebody who may be in a same, similar situation that you are. Like, you may totally feel like, I'm alone. Like, I know nobody. I'm new here, and I know nobody, and I'm the only person that feels this way when the kid next to you feels the exact same way. And they may be able to connect the two of you together, and, and you guys can totally hit it off. Um, and th that may not be the case, but even for you to have a relationship with somebody who's older than you and may be wiser than you, they can help you walk through life for a long time and um, help you build good relationships. That's good. Okay, we don't need to keep going, but that's, yeah, that sort of answers that. That's good. Okay, some of these are sort of deep. And so we're going to go there for some of these, and we're going to try to go back and forth. But this is the classic question. This person writes, the question is, we have free will, meaning we can make decisions on our own, right? We, we can decide for ourselves. We have free will, but also God has a plan for us. Please explain. So the whole, like, I can make decisions, and yet if God has a plan, doesn't that sort of mean that he knows before me? And how do those two tie together? Anyone? Yeah, I got that one. Uh, <laughs> definitely in college, I wrestled with this a ton. Because God does, I feel God does give us free will. But at the same time, doesn't God already know what's going to happen? So how do we have free will if everything's written in heaven that it's a done deal, right? So I, I kind of reached out to people. And what I kind of found for myself was that we have this thing called life. It's a journey, right? And we can make a decision, go play this sport, go do that, whatever we want. God will always be with you. That's what I'm finding. And I'm still finding this, you know, newly wed, just got out of college, working at Target. I'm going places, and I found doors slam in my face. And I'm like, whoa, 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 God, what are you doing? Like, I thought you'd be with me. I thought I had free will. And I found that God gives us free will, yet he knows what the best path is for us. And so by knowing that, okay, God has free will for me, I'm going to keep going, believing in him, but I got to understand that there might be some doors that he slams in my face. So I think that's... Closes uh, doors, open doors. Oh, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, closes doors, open doors. He opens doors. And yeah. he opens doors as well. I guess I was kept going on closing no, doors. No, right. God also opens well, doors no, for you. Fine. So, yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, having closed and open doors. God's always... Uh, my grandpa always says, leave it, your uh, palm open. God will give and take away what he wants. So, Good. so let me add to that. that um, the Bible does teach that God is sovereign and that God directs everything. The Bible also teaches that we make choices. And, you know, in our finite minds, our limited minds, we can't understand how those two completely fit together. But I don't think we do need to fully understand that because we, we, we don't think the same way God thinks. We, we can't comprehend a lot of things that he does. However, we know that God is in control. And, and related to this, there's a verse that... Uh, Recently, I came across in Psalm. It's Psalm 138, verse 8. It says, The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. And, and I read that, and I thought about our two older girls. One has, um, she's a couple years out of college. She's been on this twisting, turning path that has taken her to the spot that she's been wanting to be in for a long, long time, using her passion and her her skills to do what God wants her to do. And the other one is just a freshman in college, and, and she's starting this journey. And, and I thought that verse is appropriate for both of them and for all of you, and really for all of us as leaders, that 
know, God has promised us that he will work out a plan for our lives. Um, elsewhere in scripture, we're, we're told very clearly what we're supposed to do. You know, and, and we're commanded that we're supposed to, um, oh, was it Micah 6, 8? Love mercy, what is it? To do just what just, is God. Do justly, do justice, do love mercy, and walk humbly with God. Boy, going blank when I'm trying to quote <laughs> scripture. That's bad. And we're supposed to remember scripture too. Anyway, those are the things we're supposed to do. And, and it trickles down to a lot of different things, but pursue those things that God tells us very clearly to do. And, and many of the other choices that we make will honor him, and he'll use those to take us on the path that he has for us. That's great. I like to say many times there's, there's these two seemingly opposite views in Scripture. Is, is God sovereign, or do we have free will? And you want you want an either or, and with God, it's always both and. Somehow, that sort of blows our mind, but it's almost never either or, and somehow it's always both and. That at the macro, big picture level, God knows all things, and he knows everything about us, and yet at the micro level, we know we're not robots, and God isn't forcing our hand and making our decisions for us. We have this freedom to choose to, you know, to do good or to do evil or to follow him or not, and it's always both and, and, and we go, you know, some of us go, no, that like, it can't be that, but somehow it seems like it is, I don't know if that helps or not. This is a, a different, going a different direction here. My question is, what is your opinion on dating at our age? And there's four different grades in here, but what's your opinion on dating? Sort of the first question. Second question, what should we do if our partner, if our girlfriend, boyfriend is pushing us too far? I assume that means physically and moving forward physically. Dating. What's your opinion on dating in high school? I know for me, uh, I had dated all throughout high school and college. And, Same girls? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's not the point. <laughs> uh, and you know, in my it was in my head, it was always telling myself this is for the right reasons. You know, I'm dating so I can be married one day. But at the same time, it's you also can fall into that trap where, oh, I want to date this person forever and we're going to get married. And so then you can let yourself slip in other areas. And it was really hard. I, I've seen it with my friends and with myself where you're constantly fighting that temptation. And so I guess the point is that you have to be very careful if you're going to date in high school uh, that you know what the reasons are for. And, and that's ultimately for marriage. You, you're preparing yourself for marriage and you're courting someone else that way you guys can grow together in God and be married one day and if you let that temptation overtake you then your then your whole relationship shifts away from God and that's some that's a terrible thing uh against your ultimate goal so I guess that's kind of my response yeah I think that's a good summary of sort of the Christian sort of view on dating there's probably some of you in here who maybe don't have a Christian family, don't come from a Christian family, maybe you hear something like that and you're just, you sort of like, are you serious? What? You're told, you just don't, like, isn't the point just to get with a girl and do whatever or see how far you can get or sec whatever, second base, third base, or with a guy? But I think I agree. It's good. Any other comments? Ladies, anything that, I mean, what about pushing, you know, if they're pushing you to go further? I don't know how that was worded. So um, I'm a little bit different. Um, I dated Michael in high school, and we got married shortly after high school. Um, and so we're kind of not your normal 
high school couple, um, and your parents probably don't want to hear that. Um, but um, I also, I dated somebody else other than Michael in high school, um, and this was before I was a believer, and um, he was the type of guy that was pushing me way too far. Um, and even, this was like before I was a believer, but I knew, I'm going to go there, I, and I knew that I didn't want to have sex before I was married, and this was even before I was a believer. Um, and he was pushing me way too hard, and I, at, like, towards the end of our relationship, I had to call it quits because um, I was sick of having to draw the line, and I was sick of him not respecting me, and, I, and, and, it, was, and it was a respect issue. It was him not um, truly caring about my decisions and our decisions as a couple, and so... Um, and now it's, it's so cool to look at the contrast of the relationships because once, like, as soon as Michael and I started seeing each other, we, like, laid out the rules of our relationship, like, from day one. And that was, like, never done in the first relationship. And um, with Michael, it was never a question. Um, it was never how far can we go. It was, um, it was laid out from the beginning. And... Um, we just knew that we wanted a Christ-centered relationship, and um, we we didn't want our relationship to um, be a physical relationship. We wanted it to be a Christ-centered relationship. And there will be struggles always. Um, I, I think that's part of being like of this world, like in this world. But don't be of this world. Um, but. I think the biggest thing is to know your boundaries and to like know your limits um, and to stick to that because that's what that's what saved me and that's what ultimately helped my marriage to this day um, be what what it can be. And I think that marriage is such an important thing. Um, you even want to respect the person you're dating while you're dating them, like. Um, if this person is pushing you too far, like Emma said, they're not respecting your boundaries. Um, you need to talk to this person and um, maybe you call it quits or, I mean, you can't always change people, so you need to kind of let them grow on their own sometimes. But That's good. Anything else? Uh, we could go on and on about dating. I feel like we, we just ended this last year, unless, you know, if you're not a freshman, you were in here at the end of this last school year, um, did a panel like this too, but still, this is so, I feel like for you guys, for some of you, this is like the world you're in, it's, you're consumed with thoughts about a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Were you going to say something, Keith, or no? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, to, to think about another aspect of, of this question, I think going back to you know, what we heard earlier, think about, you know, why do you want to have a boyfriend, or why do you want to have a girlfriend? And I think sometimes people get in the mindset of, I have to, because everybody else is having a boyfriend. All my, all my friends have a girlfriend, or, or whatever it might be. Uh, personally, I'm not a huge fan of people, you know, having serious boyfriend or girlfriend in high school, because I think it can, you know, that you can use that to identify yourself. And so much of your identity is wrapped up in that relationship, and that relationship can change pretty quickly. And I would rather see teenagers pursuing friendships with group of people and, and getting close to those people and, and figuring out who they are and how do you choose good friends, how do you make great decisions together in a group setting rather than you know, being one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's, that's more where mindset is. And I'm not saying that it's wrong 
to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but I think um, you shouldn't just assume that you should do that, and you should think about there's a lot of other things that are part of this whole high school experience that could be more important than that. Certainly, I'd add too, if you, uh, if you feel like I've totally screwed up, I've gone way too far, and you sort of feel guilt and shame about that, I would love, I would totally encourage you to talk to your small group leader about that. There is, of, of course, there's grace and there's forgiveness and don't feel like you're used goods. Um, I always feel like that's just important to say, sort of hear what they said, but um, there's maybe some of you that are like, like, that was a year, too late for that. That was like a year ago. So, but talk to your small group leader if, you, uh, if you're holding that in and you haven't talked to anybody about that, you need, you need to process that with somebody. Next question is this, again, uh, this is sort of a deeper one. My question is, if someone accepts God and becomes a Christian, but eventually stops going to church praying, stops being a Christian at all, and then they die, would they go to heaven because they had God in their heart at one point in their life? Essentially, they're saying, what happens? You sort of grew up going to church, and at some point, you maybe say, I just... I'm done. I, I want to walk away from this. This is my parents' faith, not my faith. Um, I almost feel like this is one of those that you're like, tread lightly, you know, like, um, we don't like to say whether, you know, like, it's nobody's job to say whether somebody else is a Christian or not. But uh, do any of you, I don't want to speak to this right away, if one of you have thoughts on this. Well, I think you have to look at what the Bible says about that. And, and I think, you know, my view is that God's word teaches that once someone is part of God's family, they're part of God's family. They've been adopted into that family, and they can't leave. Certainly, you know, many of us know people who we would think, yep, that person's a Christian, and then all of a sudden, or maybe not all of a sudden, maybe it happens over a long period of time, but they, are, they appear to be very, very far from God which is a big contrast from where they were. And if they, if they die, you know, is their more recent behavior determine where they spend eternity? Or was it something earlier? And, and I think, you know, we can't know about another person if they truly had faith in Christ. You know, it's not our role to judge that. But I think if someone truly, and, and so there are some people I would say, you know, maybe some people here in this room, who are going through the motions and, and project very, very strongly that they're a strong believer in Christ. But they're really not. You know, they live a great moral life, but you know, what, does it, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means are you placing your faith in Christ and the fact that he died to pay for our sins? That's what it means to be a Christian. And, and if someone appears to be a Christian but doesn't really believe that, well, the Bible says they're not really a Christian. Um, and, and so if their life changes later, it goes back to what do they believe? But there might be someone that does that, has that faith in Christ that's true, and then they, they go a wrong direction, make bad decisions, and there's consequences for that. Um, if they truly came to Christ, I believe that, yes, they are you know, in heaven after they die. But yet we don't, we don't know for sure you know, whether that faith was, was really there or not. So that's my perspective based on what you know, how I understand scripture. I would totally agree. I think that was really well said. I think that, that re yeah, I totally agree. This is, this is one of those questions that though, in Bible college, you argue about. I mean, I, was, I went to Grace University here in Omaha and, and there was a friend of mine that was like, absolutely believed you could, you know, the phrase is, you could lose your salvation. And I was like, I just don't 
see that in the Bible, there may be people that perhaps never were actually truly Christians. They maybe were acting like it. And again, who are we to say? And maybe they, they sort of did all the Christian things. They came to church. They sang the songs. They prayed. Um, I like to get students to think about it's, it's not praying a prayer that saves you. As Keith said, it's a condition of your heart. It's the where are you placing your faith? Are you your own Lord and Savior or is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, your master, the master of your life? And it's not, well, what's the answer to that question for you? And it shouldn't be that hard to figure out. It's either you or him, or I guess it could be your boyfriend or somebody else is the master. But like, if it's not Jesus, that's how you know. But praying a certain prayer isn't like, because my friend was sort of like, well, somebody, if you can become a Christian, certainly you can like unbecome a Christian, right? What if I don't want this anymore? Um, you hope nobody, you know, I hope none of you get to that point where you're just like, I'm done with this. It's not real or whatever, but sorry, I'm rambling. I think what you said was really good, Keith. Anyone else add to that? Um, okay, here's one more, and I want to sort of, I like some of these. Can, can science and God slash the Bible go together? Also, is there any concept of time in heaven? Uh, let's stick with the first one. Time in heaven, uh, if eternity is eternity, but God in, this, uh, God, God in science, I feel like a lot of people are talking about that these days. Very important topic. Um, the Bible is not a scientific book, but certainly has plenty to say about that God was the creator, how, you know, was it six literal days? Some of you go, oh, is that, should, really? Like, the people think, oh, maybe all of you are like, oh, no, duh. Is it six literal days, or were those days long periods of time, millions of years? How do you interpret Genesis 1? Um, David Branson is our in-house Old Testament scholar. He's been to seminary and probably has some wisdom on this. If you, but it sort of goes, maybe you go, eh, creation I don't care about, but other things concerning science and scripture. I think in a lot of ways, too, it's, it's important to see the correlation between the two. Uh, as you see events in history, as they've unfolded, the timelines with the Old Testament really do line up well, and so you can see the science and the history there on one side, and on the other side, you can see the biblical events happening simultaneously, and it just shows how it really shaped the world. And so I think that's an important factor, too, when you're talking about it, is to see that, yes, the Bible can stand factually, and science can come up factually also. Not with everything. I mean, there's obviously a lot to dispute over those two points, but yeah. I think for the most part, you have, I like to look at the commonalities as opposed to the opposition. Yeah. I think... Um science so god created the world and he made the world to um in all its scientific processes he made these chemicals react with this these chemicals and so on and so forth so it's kind of cool to see like oh science is another example of how um god is great and he's um being magnified sort of thing uh i also think that when you look at science and god people are always trying to say use one to like disprove God or prove God. Um, and I think a really big part of that is 
Like you're never gonna know everything. Um, we're never gonna be able to understand everything. And I don't know that um, our science will ever totally match up with God or totally prove God um, because we're human and we don't understand things totally. Um, so part of it is you just really need to have faith. I think faith is an important element. Um, like, we're not going to be able to prove there's a God. You have to have faith that there is, that he's out there. And I, I like to, you know, I don't think they should be pit, don't pit them against each other or like force the two against each other. I think science is maybe teaching us a whole lot about how the world, you know, how, how God did it. I, I really enjoy a pastor who always says, every time science, like, you know, has a new study and says, this, you know, this new discovery, he just is like, well, that's how God did it. And some of you, some of you in here probably are like science experts, and maybe this is your, like, you're passionate about this, way smarter than some of us are. I've experienced that before. In my five years of leading Oasis, the one time where I had a student who was, like, pretty ticked at me for something that went down was over this topic, um, and he was very, very smart. Um, so some of you are probably well studied in some of this stuff, and maybe even it seems overly simplistic to say that's how God did it, or um, yeah, there is an element of faith in Christianity. I don't think you should just have faith in faith. Um, you know, consider that the Bible is, it's not just the Bible says. I believe it because Matthew believed it, and Mark believed it, and John believed it, that Peter was a real dude who, you know, was killed for his faith, that they saw Jesus uh, basically predict his own death and resurrection, and then pull it off, um, and then saw him, and most of the disciples were killed for that. I mean, they walked with him, they ate breakfast with him, um, so there's something there. Don't think, you know, don't walk away from Christianity because of issues with the Bible, even. I, I would go so far as to say that Christianity was around before the Bible was in print, was in binding, it, you know, it, it was written as letters, but the Bible was not put together until I don't know, two, three hundred, three hundred A.D. Um, anyway, Old Testament stuff. You know, you start archaeologists start to go into was there really? They didn't find stuff at the bottom of the Red Sea as far as the Exodus and this. Ex why not? And you know, we don't have answers on that. But um, uh, yeah, sorry. Anybody else? For the second half of the question, I don't know. Where there's if there's time in heaven, right? Isn't that a yeah, question? right. Yeah. I don't know. I like to think there's like a you know, oh, we're going on six billionth <laughs> year and then six billionth in one year, you know. But I have no idea. It's eternal. Hmm. 